It's Saturday, April the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, China's shrunken economy and coronavirus drug hopes. First, the week in brief. Donald Trump appeared to encourage protests against social distancing rules in states where groups of his conservative supporters have been violating them. In a series of tweets, the president declared, Liberate Michigan, Liberate Minnesota, and Liberate Virginia. At his daily press briefing, Mr. Trump criticized the Democrat-run state's lockdowns for being too tough. The death toll in Wuhan, the Chinese city where the COVID-19 outbreak began, has been revised upwards by 50%. City officials added 1,290 deaths to the tally on Friday, bringing it to 3,869. The move lends weight to doubts about the transparency with which China has dealt with the pandemic and the possible understating of official figures. A leaked study from the University of Chicago suggested that remdesivir, a drug produced by Gilead, a pharmaceutical company, could alleviate fever and respiratory symptoms experienced by COVID-19 patients. Both Gilead and the university warned against drawing conclusions from incomplete data. New hopes of bringing the pandemic under control helped push stock markets in Europe and America higher on Friday. Argentina's finance minister made an offer to creditors to restructure almost $70 billion in foreign debt in an effort to avoid defaulting for a ninth time. Under the proposal, Argentina would make no payments for three years before paying interest rates starting at 0.5%. The government has 20 days to agree a way forward with bondholders. Procter & Gamble, the world's largest consumer goods company, reported its healthiest American sales growth in decades, thanks to consumers stockpiling cleaning products and soap while in lockdown. U.S. sales grew 10% in the third quarter. The company said people were doing more laundry and dishwashing than usual. It added that they were also buying fewer beauty and grooming products. Israel faces a fourth election in 12 months after a deadline passed for Benny Gantz, leader of the centrist Blue and White Party, to form a government. Coalition talks with Benjamin Netanyahu's Likud party reportedly floundered because Mr Netanyahu wants protection from the Supreme Court should it seek his resignation to face bribery charges. If no government is formed within 21 days, another election looms. Wildfires raging around Chernobyl, a defunct nuclear plant in Ukraine, engulfed Kiev in smoke. As a result, IQ Air, a monitoring group, says the Ukrainian capital currently has the highest levels of air pollution on the planet, although there is thought to be little danger from the nuclear plant itself. The city's residents are currently under lockdown because of the coronavirus. And editor's note, The Economist is making some of its most important coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic freely available to readers of The Economist today, our daily newsletter. For details, visit our hub at www.economist.com forward slash coronavirus. And now, here's today's agenda. Bout time. Wrestling returns. Sport has paused to help slow the spread of coronavirus, but an exception was made last week for world wrestling entertainment. Florida's Republican governor, Ron DeSantis, issued an amendment to his statewide stay-at-home order and permitted certain sports producers to continue to work. Great news for an individual sport like WWE run by a single company. 
There may be a political dimension. WWE's chairman Vince McMahon is a big donor to Donald Trump's charitable foundation, and his wife Linda runs a pro-Trump super PAC. The fights will take place in an empty arena, the ring and the ropes will be disinfected between bouts. Their resumption will help WWE to meet its broadcast commitments. It is believed to be close to hitting the maximum number of pre-recorded bouts its contract allows it to provide each year. With sports executives the world over desperate to appease sponsors, broadcasters and fans, WWE's experiment will be closely watched. Primating – The Fruity Smell of Lima Love Lemurs use smell to communicate, mostly to delineate social hierarchies. And for the ring-tailed lemur, sweet-smelling perfumes can spell the difference, as it can for humans, between romantic success and failure. Males of the species rub scents from glands on their wrists into their tails and waft them towards females in a behaviour called stink flirting. Now, a Japanese study published in Current Biology has sought to zero in on this olfactory courtship. Researchers analysed the lemur's wrist secretions and found that the three main ingredients were all aldehyde compounds with fruity and floral aromas, the kind of aldehyde that made Coco Chanel rich. Many animals are known to employ them as pheromones for communication, but not hitherto primates. Still, as the male ring-tailed lemur gives off the fruity fragrances only in breeding season, and only females of reproductive age are drawn to them, the researchers have tentatively declared them to be the first primate pheromones. Talking about my generosity, a concert for the WHO. On March 28th, the Director General of the World Health Organization tweeted that he had just had a very good call with Lady Gaga. Coming mid-pandemic, the tweets left many bemused, but the pair's unlikely chat has resulted in One World Together at Home, a virtual concert organized by the singer to raise money for the WHO's Pandemic Relief Fund. With a lineup including Paul McCartney, Billie Eilish and Shah Rukh Khan, it has been dubbed the Socially Distanced Live Aid and will be broadcast around the world on April 18th. Many celebrities have been criticised during this crisis for getting tested suspiciously early, for releasing patronising videos, and for dishing out dubious health advice. Lady Gaga's input looks more promising. Her efforts have reportedly already raised $35 million for the WHO's fund. After Donald Trump's decision this week to stop the agency's American funding, it needs every dollar it can get. A Story of Survival, the Sarajevo Haggadah The Sarajevo Haggadah, owned by the National Museum of Bosnia and Herzegovina, has outlasted persecution and war. The tumultuous 650-year history of this Passover book, which recounts the Jews' escape from Egypt, was fictionalised by Geraldine Brooks. Her novel, People of the Book, will now be turned into a film by Danis Tanovic. For this Oscar-winning Bosnian director, the Haggadah represents a story of survival. The book is reckoned to have been made in Barcelona around 1350. After Jews were expelled from Spain in 1492, it found its way to Italy and eventually Bosnia. During the Second World War, a Muslim curator helped save the Haggadah from the Nazis and reputedly hid it in a mosque. And during the Yugoslav Wars, another Muslim risked his life to save it. Persecution flares up across eras, but as the Haggadah's existence attests, Ms. Brooks says there are always a few people who stand up and say no. Ongoing drama, the Equal Rights Amendment 
At the end of the first episode of Mrs. America, a new television miniseries, a group of activists are popping champagne. It is 1971, and they have been lobbying for the Equal Rights Amendment, a proposed change to the American Constitution stating that legal rights shall not be denied or abridged on account of sex. It looks certain to pass both houses of Congress, and indeed soon did. In the midst of the revelry, someone holds up a screed by Phyllis Schlafly, a conservative author, against the amendment. They dismiss it as piffle from the right-wing fringes. The series, with each episode told from the perspective of a different figure involved in the ERA, shows how misguided that judgment was. Schlafly managed to turn public opinion against the amendment. It was not ratified by enough states to earn inclusion in the Constitution. Another victim of the culture wars, it remains in legal limbo to this day. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Archibald Alexander, who was born yesterday in 1772. Nature never makes any blunders. When she makes a fool, she means it. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.